I'm going to say this to the whole bunch, but I can't remember who the two are I'm talking to. But my wife is very upset with two of you. And it's the two of you that told me after I broke loose and sung last week, two out of the 560 told me I could sing. So what happened is, I've been deceived, and I believed the two. So because I have the gift of aggravation, all week long, because of those two people telling me I could sing, I'd pick up a remote, an ink pen, And I'd get awful close to my wife. I'd kind of stand something like this. And I'd kind of draw that lip up just a little bit. I'd bring that mic up there. And I'd look my sweetheart right in the eye. And I'd sing. As the snow flies. On a cold and blue Chicago morning, a poor little baby child is born in the ghetto. And his mama cries. Because if there's one thing that she don't need, it's another hungry mouth to feed in the ghetto. Anyway, she's upset with you. And I aggravated her all week long. So I got that singing for you two out of the way. The rest of you endured it. May I preach now. Leave the singing to Mike. I didn't think I had an introduction for this message on the early service. And I found out when I was telling the people I didn't have an introduction in the early service to this sermon. I found out that I had an introduction to the service when I didn't think I had an introduction to the sermon. And so now I will share with you the introduction that I didn't realize I had in the early service. See, because it has been well said, listen to this. That when the dust settles and the smoke clears, there will be more said than there was done. Chew on that one. Well, I always make them things just a little bit personal. And when my body lays in a casket, and whoever preaches my memorial service, And whoever sits in the seats, I don't want them to think of Rob Pierce. There lays a guy in that box. There was a lot more said than there ever was done. When my body lays in the casket and the preacher picks up the mic and the people sit in the seats, I want them to think, That guy lays in that box, he done more than he said. He didn't said more than he done. And I would think that that would be every one of our desires. 
And so I'm going to speak to you three things, and if you will apply them to your lives, I'm convinced when the dust settles and the smoke clears, there will be more done than there was said. First of those three things is, number one, draw that circle around yourself. Don't worry about who's to the right, left, in front of, or behind you. This is personal. Because when the dust settles and the smoke clears in your life, will there be more done than there was said? Number one, when you pray, God listens. Now, if you was at the Valentine's banquet last night, it was pretty evident when the questionnaires was filled out. It was pretty evident across the board that some of the spouses, what drove them crazy about their other spouse is they didn't listen. And it's evident that sometimes we want the ear undivided tension of our spouse, do we not? And come on, parents. Isn't there times when we want the ear of our children we want their undivided attention. Come on, parents, you know it. But parents, look at your children. I'm convinced sometimes our children want your ear. Children want the undivided attention of their parents. So look here. I'm going to go ahead and let you in on something. Husbands, wives, as much as you want the ear of your spouse and their undivided tensions, attention, there are going to be times you can't get it. Parents, as much as you desire the ear and the undivided attention of your children, there are going to be times you can't get it. Children, I wish it wasn't true, but there's going to be times when you want the ear and undivided attention of your parents, and you cannot get it. But what I want to let you in on today is, because when Jesus died on the cross, I read that the veil was torn in two, listen to this, from the top to the bottom, reminding me, should remind you that that was a God thing. And when that veil got torn in two from the top to the bottom, we was no longer in need of a priest to intervene because any one of us, 24-7, any time we wanted to, we could walk boldly into the throne room of grace. And if you listen to me, say, I am. You could have the ear and the undivided attention of the Almighty God, Creator of the universe. When we pray... God listens. But I would be just a little bit more interested in what gets past God's ears and what gets to God's heart. I would be more interested in knowing what type of prayer that gets to God's heart. And when I look that over, I'll touch on it tonight. I thought about the prayer of commitment. Man, do you remember when Jacob wrestled with God? 
He was a cheater. He had cheated his brother out of his blessing. He, he had cheated his uncle out of some animals. But listen, Jacob means cheater. And if you're a cheater and all of us are born that way, we at some point in time has to face the people we cheat. And remember when he left his uncle's place, news got to him that his brother Esau was on his way and he's fixing to get even. And Jacob placed the women and the children and the animal away. And the Bible says he was left alone. And he began to pray to God. And the Scripture says he began to wrestle with God. And God says to Jacob, Turn me loose. Now tell me this didn't get the heart of God. Jacob says, I will not turn you loose until I get your blessing. When's the last time you've been that committed to God in prayer? I'm not going to turn loose till I get your blessing, till I get your favor. That's the kind of prayer I believe that gets to the heart of God. How about Moses? He prayed with concern. Have you ever read there where Moses was up on the mountain with God? I mean, you talk about a holy hootenanny, just him and God. And in the middle of it, God says to Moses, Hey, Moses, go, get down for here, for you people that you brought out of Egypt. They've corrupted themselves. They've turned aside. They've made a molded calf. They are worshiping, sacrificing this golden calf. Moses, they are claiming the golden calf's the one that got them out of Egypt. And then God says to Moses, I've seen this people, and indeed it's a stiff-necked people, and now therefore let me alone that my wrath may burn against them. Let me in other words that I'm going to kill them. And I will make of you a great nation. Can I stop right there? You can see Moses' humility here. See, when God saw them as a stiff-necked people, Moses knew he was just a stiff-necked. Had he been full of pride, I'm going to tell you what he would have said at that point. When God said, I'll kill them, and I'll make a great nation of you. I'll put you on a pedestal, Moses. I'll put you on a throne. See, most people at that point, most preachers would have said something like, I agree, God, if you need some help killing them, I'm in. Come on. Most preachers at that point said, I'm thinking the same thing, God, and if you'll give me a sword, I'll go down there and help you. But that's not what he said. I believe his humility is that he knew he was just like them. And it says in Exodus chapter 32, verse 11, Moses pleaded with the Lord. I believe when our prayer becomes to that of pleading with God, it gets to his heart. But what he pleaded in verse 33, I believe, must have touched the heart of God. Listen to what he says. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin. In other words, forgive them, God. But watch what he says in this prayer. But if not, I pray, blot my name out of your book, which is written in. Have you ever prayed with that kind of concern? You'll never convince this old cowboy preacher that that didn't get the heart of God. And then I think about Jeremiah. He prayed with contrition. That's a broken heart. 
Jeremiah is the one that says, Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes were a fountain of tears, and that, it might, that I might weep day and night for my daughter of my people. It was like he knew that it wasn't sacrifices and burnt offerings that the Lord delighted in, but he delighted in a broken and contrite heart. A broken and contrite heart. That's what God does not forget. When's the last time your prayers have been watered in tears? But how about the confession that David prayed with? See, David was a man after God's own heart. And if you think you can't fall, just check David out. And he thought he had his sins all covered. But guess what? A prophet showed up one day and said, David, you've sinned. And the minute that David realized he had sinned, he was convicted. And he said to God, he falls on his knees. He says, for I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is always before me. Now listen to this. And against you and you alone I've sinned. Do we get that? When we sin, we ain't sinned against mankind. And sometimes in the altars we pray because we think we've sinned against mankind. I believe that touched the heart of God. God realized, God, David realized, hey, I've sinned against God. I believe that got the heart of God. He knew who he sinned against. But then I believe a, a prayer that will get to the heart of God is if we pray with consecration like Jesus. Remember in the garden three times, take this cup from me. I don't want to go to the cross, but how did he end all three of those prayers? Not my will, but your will be done. Folks, when we petition God for something, and at the end of that prayer, we simply say, God, that's what I will, but nevertheless, what I will, your will be done. In other words, God, I want to be consecrated to what you want and your will. So I want you to think about those prayers. The prayer of commitment, the prayer of concern, the prayer of contrition, the prayer of, prayer of confession, and the prayer of consecration. I believe those prayers get deeper than the ear of God and they touch the heart of God. And all God's people ought to be saying, do you believe that? Do you believe that when you pray, God listens? You say, yeah. Well, how many of you is committed to pray and you're still waiting for that blessing and favor from God and it hadn't come? Anybody? How many of you, come on now, get honest. You've prayed for that wayward child, that wayward parent, that wayward brother or sister. You've prayed for that lost person with such concern. But that lost or wayward person is still out there. But I told you God listens today, but have you felt like He's heard you? Come on. Anybody? And I talk about praying with contrition. And the Bible talks, talks about in Psalms 42, listen, tears have been my food day and night. I'm talking about this psalmist knew something about praying with tears and said, my tears have actually been my food. That's all that's run down in my mouth. Day and night. And you know what the psalmist says? Any of you ever felt like him? Where is my God? Come on, I told you, you pray, God listens. And you amen me on those type of prayers. 
But you've prayed with commitment. You've prayed with concern. You've prayed with a broken heart. You've hit these altars. You've hit your knees in your house. And you prayed with confession. But you're still carrying the guilt around. Well, did God hear you or not? You've prayed for consecration, for God's will to be done in your life. But, but, but you still don't know what God's will for your life is. Come on, you amen me. You told me when we pray, God listens. But now I'm reminding you, you've prayed with commitment. You've prayed with concern. You've prayed with contrition. You've prayed confession. And you prayed for consecration. But you just told me. You didn't feel like it got any higher than the ceiling. Huh? Boy, preacher, that's just like you get us all encouraged and then jank, jank the rug out from under us. We're just real people. I want you to listen to me. Your God listens. And you may question where He's at, but I, I want to share with you some verses that will encourage you this morning. Are you ready? The first comes from Psalms 56, 8, and it'd be worth writing down. And it says, you number my wanderings. Now, what's that mean? That means God, God knows about your wanderings. Whether that physically wandering around here on this earth, or listen here, or your wanderings in your mind mentally. He knows them. Now get this one. You put my tears into your bottle. Get a hold of that. You put my personal. You put Rob Pierce's tears in your God bottle. And then he says, are they not in your book? That's Psalms 56a. If you ever doubt God's listening, go read Psalms 56a. And after you read it, go to the last book in your Bible and read Revelation 5 8. You ready for it? Now when he had taken the scroll, the he's capital, and we're fixing to find out who he is. The four living creatures and the 24 elders found, fell down before the Lamb. This is none other than Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense. Are you listening? What are these golden bowls of incense? He tells us. Which are the prayers... Of the saints. According to the scriptures. When you pray with commitment. Concern. Contrition. And the right kind of confession. And consecration. You want me to break that. You want me to put that down in labor, layman's terms for you. God gets out his book. And when the tears begin to stream down your face, God don't only have His book in His hand, He gets His bottle. And not only is He writing the prayers that you're praying and catching the tears in the bottle, 
he gets his bowls dusty. And every prayer you pray, he puts it in a bowl. So the next time you think God ain't listening, you just remember this. Every time you pray, he gets out his book. That ought to encourage you. Even when you don't think your prayers are getting any higher than the ceiling, God's writing them in a book. And when you think your tears aren't doing nothing, He's catching them in a bottle. And every prayer that you pray, He's putting it in a bowl. That is encouraging to me to know that when I pray, God Almighty is listening. He gets out His book, and if there's tears, He gets out His bottle, and He's always got His bowls. Now that does me way better to know that. Boy, I'll never forget that Wednesday afternoon. When I was preparing to preach in that old building right across the way here. When I got a call from Larry McDonald. To tell me that Derek had been killed in a car wreck. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget having to go get my wife out of a kid's class. And get my two boys and little baby Ashley and head to that hospital. And you've heard me share about that before. They put us inside a janitor's room just because of the shock and the bawling that was going on. You've got to put people that just got told that 16-year-old boy had died. You've got to put them somewhere. And we prayed in there. And then we would get out of there and, and, and we would go in and, 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 and just be there with Derek's body. But in the midst of that, somewhere, I want you to listen to what happened. Somebody... And the family said, where's Tiffany? Now, who's Tiffany? That's Derek's big sister. That's Ray and Kathy's daughter. And the question come, where's Tiffany? See, she'd been missed. Somebody said, I heard her, seen her walking down the hallway. She may be in the hospital chapel. Someone says, Rob, wouldn't you want to go talk to her? And I said, wouldn't someone else want to go talk to her? Because I got nominated, I walked down that hallway. And when I stepped through that chapel, there sat that sister on about the third pew, crying. Teenage girl. And I scooted in there beside my niece. I said, Tiff, she looked at me, and she said, Robert, I prayed all the way over here for God not to let my baby brother die. And I told him, I don't ask him of very many things, but I told him, I'm begging you, don't you let my baby brother die. And she looked at me. She said he didn't hear. And I looked at her. I said, yeah. He heard you. And I want you to look up here and I want you to listen to me. When Tiffany was praying on the way to the hospital that Wednesday, are you listening to me? God had out his book. When he looked down and he saw those tears running down that teenage sister's 
face. He got out his bottle. And I'm going to tell you, every time she petitioned him, he was sticking them in a bowl. And I want you to look up here. I'll never understand it this side of heaven. But one day we're going to see that God heard him. He wrote them down. He bottled the tears. And he put them in the bowls. And I can't even imagine this. I mean, you can imagine it when Garth Brooks sings it, can't you? When they went down to the local football game. And he ran on to one of his old flames. And as, as his wife and that old flame began to talk, remember in that song, he talks about he began to reminisce the old days. Come on. You know the song. Not trying to be funny. I'm trying to remind you of this. And he says, she was the one that I wanted for all times. And he would say, when I prayed to God, would make her mine. And he said, if he had only grant me this one wish that I wished back then, I'd never ask God of anything again. Let me just stop right there. Has anybody of you ever been that desperate in prayer? And said, if you'll just ever answer this prayer right here, I'll never come back again. I won't bother you anymore. Huh? But as he stood there that day, hindsight's twenty twenty. He said, sometimes I thank God for what? Unanswered prayers. God heard him. He just didn't choose to answer him in the way that he heard him. And let me say again, I can't even comprehend but I'm telling you on the authority of the Scriptures, when we get to heaven, I can't understand it, but I hope it encourages you. When he gets out his book, when he gets out his bottle, and the bowls get emptied, I think we will at that time look back and say, thank you, God. You heard me. But now you show me that I can thank you. Even though you didn't answer them how I wanted them answered. I know you heard me. You with me? I just want you to realize if you want more to be said than done in your life, you better understand when you pray, God listens. Even when it don't seem like He's listening. Amen. But then number two, we pray God listens. Are you ready for this? When you listen, God speaks. Now, in the Old Testament, there was prophets because they didn't have the Bible. And so when a person or a country or a family needed conviction... God would send a prophet. You with me? When a family or a person or country needed comfort, God would send a prophet. 
Right? And the Word of God was rare in those days because it didn't come through the Holy Scriptures. It come through the Holy Prophets. And do you remember a lady by the name of Hannah? She prayed with consent and commitment. She latched on to God because her womb was barren. And she prayed for a child. And guess what God did? Granted her one. And in First Samuel chapter 3, she kept her end of the deal and took Samuel down to the temple. And you can read about it in chapter 3 that while he went to bed late one night, the voice of the Lord said, Eli, Eli, or no, Samuel, Samuel, sorry. And then Samuel got up and went into where the priest Eli was and said, did you call for me? And Eli said, I didn't call for you. Go back and go to bed, boy. And I know when this young man left that old man's room, he probably was thinking, senile old man, don't even remember hollering at me. And he no more gets laid down. The voice of the Lord, Samuel, Samuel. I'm sure when he headed in there, Lincoln, he was thinking, senile old man's hollering at me again. Wonder if he'll remember it this time. He gets in there, guess what? I didn't holler at you. When he headed back in there for the day, he thought, my gosh. It's going to be a rough old stay with this old man if he don't get his mind back. Don't ever become a priest of God that's so out of touch with God you don't know what's happening. The third time when he went in there, it finally dawns on Eli what's happening. God's speaking to the boy. And so what does Eli say to Samuel? If you go in there and lay down again and he says, Samuel, Samuel, here's what you say. Speak, Lord. Your servant hears. And so sure enough, the Lord spoke. And sure enough, Samuel did what? Speak, Lord. Your servant hears. But let me just tell you something. Now we have the Holy Scriptures and now we have the Holy Spirit. And I believe that these so-called modern-day prophets has done as much to harm Christians and the church in our country. See, these prophets, several of them prophesied that January 18th, Trump would be the president again. And a couple of January 18ths has passed, hadn't they? All kinds of prophecies, but guess what? How you know they wasn't of God is they didn't come to pass. Let me tell you what Deuteronomy 18.22 says about somebody that prophesies something come from God and it don't happen. Let me tell you what God says. They die. And they did in the Old Testament. And, And David, I remember what you responded. I mean, I don't think he needs to kill people like that. I think he needs to get a hold of them. But when there's somebody that's called a modern day prophet and they begin to say that when Jesus is coming back and this is going to happen, they do more harm when it don't happen than they do good. And folks, the perfect gift has come and that's the Word of God. And you need to realize how God speaks now is through His Holy Scriptures and through His Holy Spirit. You want me to break that down for you? When you open your Bible in the morning, you should say, Speak, Lord, your servant hears. Let me break that down for you. When you walk in this church, when you sit down, you ought to say, 
Speak, Lord. Your servant hears. God still speaks. Would you think about that with me? And I think you'll get excited. He still does. He speaks in our lostness. Meaning when we're lost and undone, He lets us know that we come forth from our mother's womb speaking lies. He lets us know we was all conceived in sin. He lets us know we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He speaks to us of who we are and we are lost. And He tells us the wages of the sinners that we are is death. But thank God He speaks to us in our lostness and says, But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that God spoke to me in my lostness. And now I'm saved. He let me know who I was, where I was headed, and who I needed to change my eternal destination. But then I want you to know God still speaks in our longings. You get anxious. You get depressed. And you just want some peace. Why don't you open the Word of God and say, Speak, Lord, your servant hears. And you'll hear Him speak things like, Peace I give you, not as the world gives you peace, but my peace I give you. You'll open the Bible to find out that He tells you personally, be anxious for nothing, but with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Because He's got His book. He's got His bottle. Listen, He's got His bowls. And when you go to Him in prayer, guess what? He will give you the peace that surpasses all understanding. And what will it do? I'm glad He speaks. It'll guard my mind and my heart. Does he still speak? When you long for peace, he says, I'll give you peace. When you long for provision, man, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? When you open it up and you say, speak, Lord, your servant hears, you'll hear the words of the Apostle Paul. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You'll learn that he's your shepherd and because he's your shepherd, you shall not want. Come on, when you long for provision, it's there. When you long for protection, just open the Bible and be still and let Him speak to you. Because He'll prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. He will strengthen you. He will protect you against the evil one. That's what the Scripture says. He speaks to us. In our lostness. And aren't you glad He does so we don't have to stay lost. We can get saved. He speaks to us in our longings when we're longing for something. He speaks and fills the longings. But look up here. He speaks to us in our loneliness. Man, when we think we're the Lone Ranger, isn't it something how when we go through something, although there's nothing new under the sun, and death and disease and despair has visited families for thousands of years... But when we go through it, we eat tears for food day and night, don't we? Where are you at, God? And you know what he says? I'll never leave nor forsake you. Aren't you glad that he speaks to you and says, When I left, I didn't leave you comfortless. I sent a comforter. 
Do you realize this morning, when we listen, God speaks. God help us at Exciting Southeast when we open our Bibles to say, Speak, Lord. Your servant's listening. God help us when we get done praying. Don't just get up and run off because He wants it to be a two-way conversation. After you pray, maybe you should say, Speak, Lord. Your servant waits. What would church be like if we all come in and sit down? And during the praise time, we'd say, Speak, Lord. Your servant hears. I tell you what I think would happen. I think when it come to the end of our life, there'd be more said. No. There'd be more done than said. When we realize, when we pray, God listens. And when we listen, God speaks. And I'm through. Third point. Have you stayed up with me? You have? When we pray, God. When we listen, God. Third point, you've done really good. When you believe, God works. Matthew chapter 9. I want you to think about that story. I want you to think about that daddy. Daddies, put yourself in this daddy's shoes. From the child's birth, he was tormented with the mute spirit. To the point that Scripture tells us this, this spirit tormented him, throwed him in the fire, throwed him in the water, throwed him to the ground where foam kind of out of his mouth. You will read that. And I want you to picture, if you will, please, Jesus standing and his twelve with him. Okay? And here this man comes to Jesus. And he's got this boy with him. And when you read the scriptures, you're going to find out that the boy had a seizure, a convulsion, right when he got up there. And I want you to think what it must have felt like to be there. Think what it must have been like to be that daddy. And think what it must have been like to have been them twelve. I think if you'd have been one of them twelve and you saw him coming... Think, man, here he comes. And I believe they begin to talk among themselves. Man, we've tried to heal this bull. We've tried, we've tried. Here he comes again. Oh, gone it. I bet their heart broke for him. But they've done tried to cast the spirit out. Think about the daddy coming. Man, I've went to the church. I've went to the twelve. And he's still having the seizures. Is everybody staying hooked with me? So where are you at that day? When the daddy steps up there, maybe this is where you're at. He says, Jesus, this is my son. Seizures. Thrown into the fire. Thrown into the water. Tormented. I can't imagine what it had been like to have been in that 12. And that father looked at them 12 right in the eye and said they couldn't do nothing about it. I'm telling you, if you was in that 12 today, your heart would have had to absolutely broke. How many parents have tried church and tried this? And the church has let them down. Why? With your unbelief.
And then if that wasn't enough for the 12 disciples to be pointed out by the Father, they couldn't get it done. If that wasn't enough, when the Father got done saying they couldn't do it, then Jesus turns to the 12. And He looks them in the eye. What's worse than the Father looking you in the eye of a kid that had a mute spirit? The Son of God looking you right in the eye and saying this, you faithless generation. You ready for other words? You unbelieving generation. I'm telling you what, if you was in that group of 12 that day, you just got gut punched by a father who was looking for hope and by the person of hope turning around and saying, you bunch of unbelievers. Have you ever thought of that story like that? And then Jesus turns and says, how long? The daddy says, since childhood. It's awful. Thank God it's Jesus and not the church. Thank God it's Jesus and not the disciples. He looks at Father right in the eye. And I want you to listen to what he says. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And it says immediately, this father didn't have to say, well, I'll give that some thought. This father didn't say, I'll pray about that. That father immediately cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. But it didn't stop there. Probably the minute he said that, he realized there was something in his heart that had to go. Lord, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. How many times do you think God's wanted to work in our lives, but we forget to ask him to help us with our unbelief? Boy, I wanted to be a tool in the hand of God when I got saved. But I'm just going to be honest with you. I didn't think there's a way in the war that God could use somebody like me. But you pray and He listens. You listen and He speaks. And He showed me where He used a donkey. And you guys are saying that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still uses you every week, you jack donkey. But I read where he used a sparrow. I, use, I read he speaks where he used a little boy. Folks, look up here. That began to help me with my unbelief. If he can use a donkey, a crow a little boy in his lunch, a little servant girl, then surely, even though I butcher English, although I don't like to read, although I've graduated 83rd out of 85 in my class, he began to show me, if I would believe, he'll work. So I want you to look up here. What's our unbelief keeping us? I shouldn't even word it like that. What's our unbelief keeping God from doing? 
Your unbelief is showing them what we can do. What's our unbelief keeping God from doing? Could I just encourage you a bit? When unbelief begins to seep in, discourage you, drain you, would you just open up the Word of God? And would you just check out His track record? I mean, because sometimes we feel like we're at the edge of the Red Sea and sometimes we feel like the Egyptian army is behind us and we just need to hear the words of Moses tell the children of Israel, be still and watch what God does today. And as we watch what God does in that day, He's a God who reaches down and He splits a Red Sea wide open and the children of Israel cross through on dry ground and when the Egyptian army tries to do it, He drowns the whole Egyptian army in the Red Sea. Check out his track record. I mean, here's the God. When they got in the wilderness and you think he's not going to provide for you, this is the God that made a water fountain out of a rock. Check his track record. This is the God who sent manna from heaven. And when we look at our godless leadership in our country and take it past that, our world, why don't you just let God speak to you? Because the Old Testament is full of ungodly kings and pagan people and God would always show up, listen, not on our time, right on His time, and He'd even dispatch an angel down and whoop a whole Midianite army. So look here. When we check out his track record, you can't be used. He took a little boy's lunch and he fed 5,000 men plus the women and the children. Why do we unbelieve? All we got to do is look at his track record and realize that's the God who said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he's never lost and he never will. Right? Have you ever thought about the lion's den? I mean, when they told Daniel not to pray, I'm going to tell you, he believed. He just kept praying. And your actions will tell what you really believe. He really believed. He kept praying. Check God's track record out. The lions didn't hurt him. But the one that really gets me, them three Hebrew boys, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, They believed, they prayed, and they listened. And they believed. Remember when they didn't bow down? Come on. And King Nebuchadnezzar said, listen, when that music starts, you're to bow. And anybody who don't bow gets thrown in that furnace. And old King Nebi, he looked at him and said, who's able to deliver you? Tell me they didn't believe. What would they say? Our God. They believed. But I believe there was a prayer of consecration here. Because they looked at the king and said, but if he don't, we still won't bow. You know what they understood in their prayer? God's will be done. It ain't going to change our unbelief. It ain't going to make you any less of a prayer warrior when you end a prayer with God nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. See, we're told by the name it, claim it, health, wealth, and prosperity, cash, Cadillac, and comfort preachers that if we pray for something and we end it with God's, God, your will be done, that that's a lack of faith. It seems to me that these three Hebrew boys 
said to the king, He's able to deliver us. We believe. And it seems to me they didn't think there was anything wrong with saying, Nevertheless, not our will. We'd really like to be delivered out of the fire. But if He don't deliver us, we'll be in the sweet by and by. So what happens in that story? I'll tell you what happened. Them guys believed and God worked. Because if you go read that story, they turned that furnace up seven times hotter. So hot it killed the king's servants that tried to throw them in. Bound them and threw them in. Are you with me? And they began to strike up that music and they're all fixing to bow down. But old king looks over in the fire. And he kind of looks over again, slaps himself and looks again. Now, the Scriptures don't say that, but either way I read it, I'm sure he did. And then he elbows one of his servants and he asks him a question. Did we not put three in that fire? And what did the servant say? Yep. He said, look. He said, look. Is there not four in there? And does one of them not look like the Son of God? Let me tell you what happened that day. There was some praying, listening Hebrew children. And they believed God. And when the fire come, God went to work. Because when they got them out, listen... They went in bound, but they was loosed. And when they come out, not only was they not singed, but the Scripture says they didn't even have the smell of smoke on their clothes. Let me tell you what happened. God worked that day. And He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I just wonder what could happen if we believed. Charles Ingalls, an evangelist of way yesteryear, one day was boarding a ship, and the captain of that ship began to tell him this story. Told Charles Ingalls up till a few months ago, I hope you'll listen real closely to this. Up till a few months ago, I was just an ordinary Christian. Can I, in other words, that? When I die, there'll be more said than there was done. But he said, a few months ago, something happened to me. And it revolutionized my Christian life. And he said, I'd been standing up there on that bridge for 22 hours because of the fog. 22 hours straight. And I was startled when someone tapped on my shoulder. And when I turned around, this man said, Captain, I've come to tell you I must be in Quebec Saturday afternoon. I looked at that man and I said, Sir, that will be impossible. Can you see how dense this fog is? And he said, George Mueller was his name. And he looked at me and he said, My eyes ain't on the dense fog. My eyes are on the Almighty. He said, I told him again that would be impossible. And he said, very well, if your ship can't get me to Quebec, God will find another way, locomotion. Somehow, he said, because 57 years of me serving the Lord, 
I've not missed one of my engagements. And I don't plan on starting now. And I don't believe God intends for it to start now. He said, I looked at that man and said, I would help, but I cannot. He said, George Mueller said, let's go down to the chart room and pray. And when I began to follow George Mueller down those steps, I actually thought, how many Christians would be like this? When somebody has that much belief and that much faith. He said, when I was following him down the stairs, I wondered which nut house he come from. He said, but when we got to the chart room, that man dropped down on his knees and he prayed one of the simplest prayers I've ever heard in my life. It's a prayer like you'd hear in an eight and nine year old Sunday school class. George Mueller simply said, Oh Lord, if it's your will, please remove this fog within five minutes. You know my engagement in Quebec, and I believe you will get me there. That was his prayer. And remember, he was just an ordinary Christian. So a prayer meeting is, you pray, then I'll pray. So I got ready to drop down on my knees. And he says, George Mueller catches me by the collar and said, you don't need to pray. You're not praying. He said, and I'll never forget when he looked me eye. He said, two reasons. Number one, you will not believe God to do it. Number two, I believe God already done it, so there's no need for you to pray. And he said, George Mueller looked at me and said, Captain, I've known my Lord for 57 years, and there's not been a single day that I have failed to gain His attention. And in 57 years, He's had me right where I need to be, right when I need to be there. Get up, Captain. We've got a sail. That captain looked at Charles Engel and he said, I opened that door and the fog was gone. And Saturday afternoon, George Mueller was preaching in Quebec. When George Mueller died, they put his body in a casket. I don't know who was there. I don't know who had the mic that day. But I'm going to tell you what could not be said of George Mueller. You could not say of George Mueller. There was more said than there was done. And I'm convinced there was more done than was said because George Mueller understood three things. You ready? When we pray, God listens. When we listen, God speaks. But don't miss this one. When we believe, God works. Let's all stand. Father, I come to you right now. And Father, without doubt, there's some broken and hurting hearts. And God, these altars are open today, and I hope and pray that people will come to them. And as they head this way as quick as now, they'll realize that when they get on their knees, you got your book out. You listening? Father, I pray and know that somebody will be shedding tears in these altars today. And I hope they'll realize you got your bottle out. And you're listening because every prayer that's prayed, you're going to put it in a bowl. And Father, we can come to these altars this morning knowing we have your ear. 
Knowing we have your undivided attention. And Father, I pray as we come to these altars. That we will listen, not just talk. I pray that out in that crowd, somebody's listening because you're speaking to their lostness. Somebody here, a man, a woman, a boy, a girl is lost. God spoke to you today. You know you're a sinner. You know the wages of that sin is death. But you realize today God speaks the gift of God is eternal life. If you're lost today, don't leave that way. He's speaking to you. And today's the day of your salvation. You need to get saved. You come. We're not going to give you a mic. We're not going to embarrass you. We're just going to show you from the Word of God how to be saved. Is He speaking to you in your lostness today? But maybe you're here today and He's speaking to you in your longing. Some of you are anxious. Some of you need peace. Some of you need provision, protection. But He's speaking to you today in your loneliness. And He's telling you He'll never leave nor forsake you. Altars are open. And I think maybe all of us could be in there on this one. It may be that you just need to cry out with the Lord with tears. Lord, I believe. But help me with my unbelief. Have you ever just brought your unbelief to the altar and left it there? If not, maybe today would be a first time. Father, have your way in the hearts of us, your people, in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you come?